Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Back It Up Binge podcast for another roundtable discussion. I'm joined again today by Jay Deuce and Futures. We have a few topics to cover today. Really looking forward to this. Welcome, guys. Good to see you. Thanks for inviting us. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. Let's not waste any time. Let's jump right in. Jay Deuce, I'm going to hand the mic over to you to lead the first topic. Okay, thanks for inviting me. Looking forward to it. My first question that I want to pose is that Bill Belichick, considered greatest coach of all time, uh, with Brady, um, records that might never be broken. He also has a championship with uh, Bill Parcells, the legendary Bill Parcells. But the big question is, without Brady, without Parcells, is he the greatest of all time? Is he a great coach? Absolutely. Is he legendary, Hall of Fame worthy? Absolutely. But is he considered the greatest coach of all time? My opinion, no. I don't see how he can be. When you look at it, he's never won a title without Brady, without Parcells, by himself. And although there might be some other great coaches that have had that distinction, he's still, if we're going to call him the greatest, let's look at what happened with Brady. He left and immediately won a championship without Bel- without Belichick. That's very impressive. And then the following season, he was still in the playoffs. And Belichick, I think, has been in the playoffs maybe once since Brady left. He hasn't gone deep in the playoffs at all. And an argument could be made that he's not the greatest of all time. I'm not saying he's not a great coach. I'm not saying he's not legendary or a Hall of Fame coach. Absolutely. But is he the best? Uh, I would say no. Futures, um, what do you think about that? Uh, I think with this question, there's there's a lot of things that go into it. And for me personally, I, I'm going to kind of answer but not answer this uh, debate. Don't let him um, off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to start this debate with uh, a quote from Tom Brady himself. And uh, it was on his podcast. I believe uh, it was right after he retired. And he said, uh, coach couldn't play QB and I couldn't coach. For me, one of the biggest things about football in itself is that uh, it's the greatest team sport that I'm a fan of. Um, Basically, everybody on that team needs to play their position, play their position well. You hear it all the time when the announcers are talking. Everybody's got an assignment to do. If they complete that assignment, then the end result should be success. Um, And I think it applies with the coaching and the QB. Now, with all that being said... Belichick comes in to the Patriots, takes him to a Super Bowl with this unknown quarterback, Tom Brady, creates a system for him to work in. And over time, I think Brady mastered that system. And towards the end of his career, Brady, uh, you're talking about 20 plus years of quarterback experience under the tutelage of Belichick. And I just think Brady kind of ascended everything because he had this information from this coach. He perfected the system for himself and he became, you know, what should be the greatest QB in NFL history. Belichick couldn't have done it without Brady and Brady couldn't have done it without Belichick. Belichick to me is one of the greatest defensive minds in the game. 
for him to be able to take his defensive prowess and apply it to create an offense that works within a system for his team to me makes him the greatest coach in NFL history. I think uh, a matter of time, he should pass Shula's record for most victories in the NFL, which which statistically will make him the greatest coach in NFL history. But I think he already is the greatest coach in NFL history with the success that he's had, not only with Brady, but with that entire Patriots team and what he did to create all those championships that he had. Okay. I'm going to take it from a different angle here. Okay. He's been a head coach for 28 years. So he's got the longevity. He's six Super Bowl rings. Phenomenal. He's there nine times. He goes to the dance. Third winning his coach in NFL history. He's 30 behind Shula. Probably do that in the next three years, but he's 71. Will he stick around to do that? You know, knowing Belichick, he probably will. People forget that. And, and, and Ruby just mentioned this that he drafts Brady in like the sixth round. Bledsoe was his quarterback. Bledsoe goes down, gets hurt. He puts Brady in. When Bledsoe comes back, he sticks with Brady. So it's a huge, huge decision that could have changed the course of his career if he went back to Bledsoe. He's also part of the the front office that kept that momentum going through the years. He's never had any mega superstars on his team other than Brady. I mean, he's had... Um, he's had some good good names along the way, some people in their latter parts of their career that contributed great. Um, but is he a good coach? Absolutely. Is he a great coach? Absolutely. Is he, is he the greatest ever? Absolutely not. And I'll tell you why. He has Spygate that hangs over his head for me, right? Largest NFL fine you could get, $500,000. He got it. Always to get an edge there spying in a different way than is normally accepted within the NFL rules. So he sort of bent the rules a little bit and got slapped with the highest fine you could get in the NFL. So to me, that tarnishes his image a bit. And I'll I'll compare it to who he's chasing right now. I'll give you a story, okay? He's chasing Don Shula, 30 games behind him. He'll probably catch it, like I said, in three, four, five years. We know that the Dolphins went undefeated, 17-0. They start the next season with a win, so that's 18 in a row. They're on the road. They're playing the Raiders. They have a walkthrough practice on Saturday. Zonka's in the locker room. He's taken the locker of a guy that he used to be teammates with at Syracuse. So he's in the locker room. He takes that locker. He finds the game plan, the Dolphins-Raiders game plan in that player's locker takes it over to his offensive line coach, Monty Clark, says, I don't know what to do with this, gives it to him, walks away. They play the next day. They lose. Zonka sees him after the game. Monty comes to him on the bus, sits down next to him, and he says, and I'll I'll read the quotes here. Monty, what did you do with the game report? Clark looks at him and says, I took it to Shula, and when he asked me what it was, I told him. He said, and I quote, tear it up. If we can't beat him straight up, we shouldn't beat him. That's the all-time best coach ever right there. Drop Mike. <laughs> so that's my opinion. Is he a great coach? Absolutely. Is he one of the greatest? Absolutely. Is he the best ever? If he, even if he doesn't or he gets Shula's record, absolutely not. Can't get past Spygate. Great conversation. 
Absolutely. Great topic. I know people are debating this out there a lot. So it was a really good, good topic to kick off this episode. Kick it back over to you, Futures. What's your topic? Uh, the topic I chose for this uh, episode was uh, who is your favorite NFL player that is not on your team? And uh, I'm going to start mine by reading a few stats and see if you can catch on. Um, it'll probably be pretty easy to figure this out. But uh, my guy's a nine-time pro baller, uh, six-time all-pro, 2009 Hall of Fame inductee. Um, he holds the record for most sacks in a game with seven. Actually, he was on that list. Uh, he's on the top 25 list for most sacks in the game. Twice he had four, once he had six, and another time he had seven. And uh, he was a, a first-round draft pick out of Alabama. And my guy is Derek Thomas, uh, one of the most feared defensive end, or de defensive players in the 1990s and uh, one of my favorite quotes i hear and i still uh relay it back to my friends every now and then as the 1980s belonged to lt and the 1990s belonged to dt uh this guy was just a force to be reckoned with on a field and every sunday um throwing it back to a topic we were talking about the last time but uh when i couldn't watch the kansas city chiefs live on tv i would always wait for sports center to see Derek thomas highlights and uh i also love that he pretty much uh kept the swim move that LT created in the eighties with that, uh, causing the fumble from behind the back on the quarterback, uh, alive during the nineties. And, uh, I loved him for that. One of the greatest players in my book and definitely, uh, my favorite player off of the giants team. And, uh, Jay Deuce, uh, who's your favorite player? Not on the giants. I love the question. Great question. I looked at it a little differently. I said to myself, a lot of great picks. I mean, there's some terrific quarterbacks and terrific defensive players. Is a really good selection. The way I looked at it was, who changed the game? Like, who had impact on the way the game is played today? And if you look at the game today, there's two things that are the star of the show. One, defensive players for sacks and pass rush and wide receivers. The wide receivers have usurped the running backs and the tight ends. It's a wide receiver game. It's a downfield game. It's a vertical game. So because of that, who is really the most responsible for that that is a legendary player, underlying legendary? My answer, of course, Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice changed the game. The game is yeah. so different now because of him. Just like, you know, in basketball, just for a minute, we'll talk about that later. You know, you talk about the three-point shot changing the game, and you look at the game now. In, in football, receiving, other than the quarterback position, is what everybody wants. Receivers are taken off the board right away. And who created that? Who was the beginning? Who's the star that really did it? And I think it was Jerry Rice. And his numbers – Nobody is even close to his statistics. He's not only legendary, in my opinion, best wide receiver of all time, probably the best player or in the discussion, but because he changed the game, that's why I'm picking him. He changed the game. Uh, Jeff, uh, very anxious to hear what you have to say. Uh, thanks. I mean, you can't go wrong with those first two, right? And, and as you both mentioned, there's just so much talent to go through. And when, when, when I – 
think about this question, you know, I start going back to some of my all-time favorites. You know, I think of Walter Payton. I think of Barry Sanders. I think of Marcus Allen. I think of obscure names that I liked back in the 70s. Mark Van Egan. Remember him running back for the Raiders? Got Megatron, wide receiver for the Lions. Singletary. Oh, yeah. And, of course, I have to represent Montclair State with Sam Mills, right? Fellow (laughs) alumni, uh, Sam Mills. But see if you can grab and understand and guess who my guy is. You may know futures, but – Let's let's see if you oh, can I, get it. I would love a shot. Can I take a okay, guess? Okay, let, let's see if you can grab this one. <laughs> All right, I'll, 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 I'll tell this. you who it is. You ready? Okay, you ready? You want to guess before or I'll, after? I'll, I'll guess right now. All right, who? Uh, Dan Marino. Well, he's on. Oh, that's, he's your, on. Oh, that's, your, that's your team, though. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, Bo Jackson. No, come on. I'm All, gonna, right. All right. I'm going to venture a guess, and uh, I, I, I thought for some reason you might pick Barry Sanders, but – I feel like you're going in another direction. Yeah, it can't be Barry after that game, the Barry Bowl. <laughs> That's an inside joke. Okay, so here's some <laughs> clues, all right? Don't say it. I'll ask you after I give you the clues. I wrote down his stats. Easiest one, we'll, we'll bring it right into a box. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. Played eight NFL seasons, rookie of the year, on the all-70s team. In his first five of his first six seasons – he carried the ball more than 300 times in each season. He averaged averaged 30, 345 carries in those seasons, and he averaged 1,551 yards in those seasons. He played on a team. Look, I, I could see Futures knows it already. He played on the <laughs> team with one of my all-time favorite uh, logos. Give me a guess. I, I, give me a guess. Take a shot. Earl, Earl Campbell? What do, what do you think, uh, Futures? Um, it's either uh, Earl Campbell or um, – no, I'm going to stick with Cram- – I'm going to say Campbell, yeah. That's yeah, what I'm thinking it's of. Earl. It's Tyler yeah. Rose. Just, you know, if if I could build a franchise I, – I, I'm the old school deuce, right? I know everyone's going towards the receivers now. I'm a running backs guy. I know it always starts with the quarterback, but to me the second one – the second position is is the running back. And for me, Earl Campbell, watching those highlights, what he did in such a condensed period of time, just literally running through people, he would be my number one all-time pick to start a franchise around. Nice. Absolutely nice. loved him. And and by the way, their their old their old helmet, the Oilers, one of the yeah. best ever. One of the best. He was ever. also a running back that was also a fullback. He really was a, a hybrid. He could do both. You know, I was looking at some of his highlights. He had some speed, too. When he ripped off some of those long yards, the D-backs couldn't catch him. He outran him. It was incredible oh, yeah. for, his, for his size. He's kind of the uh, modern-day uh, Henry. And uh, yeah. for the record, when I was thinking about Campbell and debating the other guy, I remember that you said your the logo. And once you said your favorite logo, that's when I knew it was the uh, Campbell. Such a cool <laughs> helmet. They should also oh, bring awesome. back. Yeah, they should also bring back the old uh, Patriots helmet and make that, you know, permanent. just like the old Dolphins logo is so much better than the current one. All right, next question. This one's sort of the genesis of this one was after we did our last roundtable, we got into a really good discussion about the GOAT in the NBA. Who's the GOAT? And I got to thinking that why don't we have this question on one of our roundtables? So my question is pretty simple. 
Mount Rushmore of the NBA. You could do it all time, but for me, when I give you my answers, it's going to be within the era I watched pretty much. But Deuce, who's your who's on your Mount Rushmore for the NBA? I love this question. I I did it as a team. I, I think they're all legendary players, but I, I did it as a team. I, I thought it would be more impactful. So um, I have it as a starting five all time. Okay. Current era, though, you know, because again, I never saw Bill Russell play, so right. it's hard to pick him, even though he's a legend. So my guards, Jordan and Magic, I'll stack them up against anybody. My forwards, I went smaller, quick, with good vision. I went with LeBron and Larry Bird, but now I need some height for shot blocking, scoring, and uh, inside presence, especially with the game going big. So I went with Jabbar as the center. So I've got a team that can run, a team that can play a you know, half-court game, a team that has shot blocking intimidation, and I've got players that have eyes behind their head with passing, ball movement, so they can play – all types of, of of the game, and I've got some some legendary players as well. So that, that would be my top five. That's a great list, Deuce. How about you, Futures? Uh, I'm going to say that I chose my Mount Rushmore based on the uh, basically the players that you know for me held up the NBA. Uh, growing up and watching them, uh, the first two I got to start with is uh, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. Um, they helped revitalize the league. Their competition alone was enough to basically get the country interested in the NBA again, uh, more so than it had been for a little while before they came into the league. Um, after that, I'm going with uh, Kobe Bryant, who to me was, uh, you know, he had the Mamba mentality, just one of the greatest players in the game and the closest thing to who I think is the greatest player in the game, who's the guy behind me, Michael Jordan, um, just all those guys, to me, epitomize everything that the NBA was about for me growing up. Uh, Jordan, just the ultimate competitor, did anything he could to win. We talked about that documentary before. If you haven't seen it, definitely go out and watch it because it's unbelievable. The guy's mentality just competing in this league. Kobe emulated that. Larry and Magic provided uh, you know, the competition in the league and uh, just great runs for them. And then... Uh, my number five guy who uh, I kind of chose because I feel like not too many people talk about him, but this guy had pretty much one of the most solid NBA careers ever and uh, just very consistent and probably had the most boring nickname ever. And that's the big fundament fundamental Tim Duncan, um, five NBA championships, uh, three finals MVPs, one of the twin towers. Just uh, to me, he was pretty much the perfect player and watching him grow up. I learned a lot of stuff about the game and a lot of, uh, I learned a lot from him on how to approach the game and it's just being consistent. He just did everything right. As far as I'm concerned, being a player in the NBA and it led to all those championships. What do you, uh, what do you got on your Mount Rushmore, uh, back it up. So I only did four because I couldn't find the fifth. I was having such a hard time adding, adding another player to my four. So I'll, I'll give you my four. The first one, greatest player ever, Michael Jordan. Six championships, six and oh in championships. He had two three-peats, incredible. Second is, uh, I'm not a huge fan of him, 
but definitely one of the best players, if not second or third best ever is Kobe, you know, five championships, five and two in the finals, two NBA finals MVPs. And then the last two, I didn't know if you both would put them on your list, but it's interesting that you both did and it's bird and magic. Right. And I took it from the perspective of sort of your point deuce in the NFL all-time greats is who changed the league. You know, they came in, they started in 79 with that college championship and their rivalry started at that point. Now, Magic got the better of him in the championship game. But up to 1981, the NBA Finals were on tape delay. It's incredible wow. when you think about it. It's so almost you would surreal. Go, you, would go really at 11, you would go at 11.30 at night to tune in to see who, who, who played and who won in the finals. Right. Or in, the, in in one of the one of the seven games, it's incredible. They changed that in the 1980s, the decade of the 1980s. The NBA final had either the Celtics or the Lakers in it. That's so awesome. any one of those championships for that you know that decade had them in it. Magic transforms the point guard position. He's six nine. The guy was six nine point guard. It was incredible. Now I hated Magic. When I was growing up, because I was a Celtics fan, so I could not stand Magic. But I, I, you know, you obviously as you get older, you come to respect their game and what they did for the game. And then obviously Bird. I mean, I remember hearing about him when the Celtics were twenty nine and fifty two. Right? They had JoJo White, Charlie Scott, Havlicek. They had uh, Cowens, and I kept reading about this guy Bird, Bird, Bird in the play in the in the papers, and they drafted him, and the rest is history. But I'm not sure if either of you have ever YouTubed the trash talking that he does. I, I mean, did. Here's a, I have. here's a guy that would come out and say, okay, I'm going to go there and shoot shoot the game-winning shot, and he backs it up. And, <laughs> he, and he does it not against these scrubs, right? He does it against the Lakers. Yeah. Like Byron Scott tells a great story. They all have these great stories about him. I mean, that's a guy who has the confidence in his game to back it up, right? He backed it up. That's what we're all about here, right? You can't That's find it. anybody better than that. He walks into the walks into the three point contest and says to everybody, right, "Who's coming in second? It doesn't even take <laughs> off his warm up. <laughs> so to me, that's my Mount Rushmore. I couldn't think of the fifth. And you know, he's not one of the probably considered one of the best all time. But you put Duncan on yours, so maybe I'll go with the fifth as being Hakeem Hakeem Olajuwon. Absolutely was, loved uh, him as a center. You know, yeah. so that would be my that would be my five. So. You know, it's interesting though, only one had LeBron. And that's the that's the big debate now. Is he the GOAT? But out of us three, Deuce, you're the only one to put LeBron on his list. Well, my my choices broke down into two categories. With Jabbar, it was either Jabbar or Elijah Wan. And with my starting five, Jabbar was the better fit for the team I picked, but it could have been either way with Elijah Wan. It would Elijah Wan is that good. As far as LeBron, my choice was Kobe or LeBron. I looked at the two, and um, I just thought that as great as Kobe is, I already had Kobe in Jordan. So I needed a little bit different dimension, you know, uh, a little more rebounding with, uh, you know, with uh, LeBron. And LeBron uh, is just a ridiculous passer as well. With him and Bird at the forward, you know, in Magic, the, the ball would be flowing around that court. It just would be a very difficult starting five to beat with anyone. So I was looking at more as a team. 
but they would be in my Matt Rushmore as well. Yeah, I know how you uh, feel about LeBron Futures. Let me give you one stat before I have you close out this topic, right? I was looking at, well, two, actually. I was looking at top scorers all time in the NBA, and you know what struck me? This is this is incredible. You know who's the 12th all-time scorer in the NBA? Dan Issel. Remember him from the 70s? I certainly do. He's 12th. Uh, he scored 27,000 points. He's still 12th. It's incredible. You know, I have a question. Wow. I have a question for you on that. As with some of the ABA players, did they transfer the ABA points? Yeah. Okay. That's what yeah. I thought. In, in this list that I saw. certainly didn't do it in the NBA. Yeah, in this list that I uh, that I Because Artis Gilmore and, you know, you have some, you know, even, even Dr. J, some of those really good ABA players, I think they transferred the stats, so they're sort of skewed just a little. Yeah, so – when I was going through, you know, my guys and looking at their stats, um, LeBron played 300 and f- as of this time, LeBron's played 349 more games than, than Michael Jordan. He scored 6,300 more points than Jordan. All Jordan would need to do is average 18 points a game to catch him as the all-time leading scorer. You're talking about a guy who averaged 30 points a game. So, I mean, he could have done that. And the other thing about two things about LeBron, he's a flopper and he was four and six in the finals. He's a losing record in the finals. So I I don't know about any other points to add futures, but he is not the GOAT. Absolutely not. Jordan is. I I took this I I took this approach for this uh, Mount Rushmore because it's kind of like you know, picking your top five Beatles songs. You know, they'll ro- they're going to ro- they're going to rotate every few months. And, you know, depending on what you're going through in life, it's going to change up. And with this basketball Mount Rushmore, uh, you know, back it up. You had a hard time picking number five. Like I, I had a hard time picking all the guys I picked because you you can interchange them. There's so many great yeah. players, especially yeah. from the 70s and 80s that help propel this league into, you know, it's heyday. I'm not going to say into today's world because I don't think today is the heyday of the NBA. Um, and I think LeBron, LeBron, for me, LeBron contributed to it not being its heyday right now, um, along with a couple other players that are considered great in today's game. I, I just don't I just don't see it. It's not my style of basketball and it's it's not my type of basketball and it's not what I I hold true to the sport you know, what I grew up with um, as far as team play goes and as far as fundamentals go in the game. So uh, same thing with me with the big fundamental. I was struggling between him and Akeem. I liked Akeem a lot, you know, and then uh, there's all these, there's just so many different players that were so uh, vital to the NBA in the 90s and in the 80s that this whole list, uh, I feel like it can be interchangeable. I understand what Jay Deuce is saying with uh, LeBron, you know, being on it for the team aspect and everything. And the last thing I'll say about LeBron and it, and it's a thing that kind of, it makes me almost sad for him. You know, the guy's a billionaire. He's, he claims himself to be the King and all that stuff, but his physical attributes alone, if he just relied on them, he really could have been the greatest in NBA history. And instead he decided to play this mental game or, he really likes soccer and just wants to emulate the flop and go, I don't understand it, but it just, <laughs> it, it makes me angry almost because if you gave Jordan LeBron's body, forget about it. Jordan, Jordan would have been an alien, you know, more than he is already. Uh, 
and it, it frustrates me watching the game now and well, that and that's the main reason why i can't watch the game now that, that that's a great point it ties into one of the things you mentioned earlier <clears throat> was the documentary the last dance right because he couldn't get over the hump and the hump was the pistons yeah when they lost to the pistons i think it was the second time they all started lifting they all started getting stronger why because they got knocked around yeah right i mean he got knocked around and you know you remember the celtics lakers finals where mikhale just basically tackled rambus that's the physicality that they don't have anymore i have a question for you guys on that point look how interesting that point is for a minute today jordan and the and the bulls to get by the pistons went into the weight room they changed the dynamic negative to today's player and LeBron in particular, and we see it with Harden and we see it with all the other players is their reaction isn't to get better as a team. It's to move teams to stack them up and take the easy way out where Jordan and his team just got better with the team they had today. They're constantly looking to move. And yeah, I'm wondering if that, I wonder if that started with the Celtics in the mid 2000s, right? When they they had Pierce and they got Garnett and they got Ray Allen and they called it the Big Three, right? Then you went down to Miami and you had the Big Three down there. So you're starting to get these clusters of players that they're trying to get at least three, which makes sense out of a starting five, right? But I think I think the Dwayne Wade, the Bosch, and the, and the um, yeah, you know, LeBron was the real. That's when the Big Three really was. It drew the most attention to it. You think? I, yeah, I think that was that was the start of player movement. I think to to build a big three. I just me personally. Okay. I I feel like the I feel like the Celtics started it, but it wasn't like a planned thing. It was like if we can get these three guys, this would be awesome. And they wound up getting it, and then it just started from there. And then LeBron was in a position where he was. But I, powerful but I think there's a distinction that we have to make here, uh, is that. With the Celtics, they traded for it and developed their team within the rules. What's happening today, it's within the rules, but they're forcing trades, they're forcing their way to other teams, and they're taught this collaboration between the players. Like LeBron is recruiting players to play with him, whereas the Celtics did it via trade. I think it's a little bit different, just me personally. Yeah, so that, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is like the Celtics kind of got there, and now with LeBron and his uh, – press conference on where he's taking his talents which is another <laughs> moment in, it's a moment in nba history i despise and i you know i can't believe i still saw that on tv i wish i'd never watched it and uh and that's what's happening now everybody's trying to recruit that big three and uh eventually it's going to get to a point where you know you're going to have two or three teams with nothing but all-stars on it and everybody else is struggling that's where i think the league is heading and uh it's a shame i wish it would go back yeah, I mean, this is a great conversation on this topic, and I'll close it out by saying this. We had talked after the last round table, and I told you, I, I just couldn't watch – I can't watch basketball anymore. It's just not – I don't see anybody in the paint anymore. That's where you used to live, and that's the – you know, you, you, that's why you had the big man. Now they just pass at the three-point line and chuck. They're all George Costanzas, right? They're all chuckers. <laughs> so, anyway. I love the reference. Great, great topic, guys. Great episode. Appreciate you both getting on. Let's make sure we do this again. And maybe we'll ask the people out there that are watching this episode, give us some topics to talk about on the next roundtable. We'd love to kick it around. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Great episode. Great job. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Bye-bye, everybody.